0: But today we're wrapping up our series that we've been in for the last several weeks called Faith Builders. And uh, we've been in this series for a while, got cut off by COVID for a few weeks there. Uh, But this series has been really good for me personally. I've enjoyed preaching it. I hope that you've enjoyed uh, receiving these messages. Uh, The Lord's just really been speaking to me personally, and I feel like he's been speaking to us as a church. But I told you that the Lord put this series on my heart After he spoke to me back in the spring and told me that as a church, we needed to get ourselves ready for what he had ready for us, that we weren't there yet, that we needed to build up our level of faith so that we could receive what he wants to do in and through us. And that's what Hebrews chapter 11 is. That's the beauty of this entire chapter. And while we've walked through it throughout the entire series, this entire chapter is one massive faith builder. It's designed to build your faith in God and get you thinking about what he can do in and through your life when you become a person of faith. And so each week in this series, we've gone a little deeper into it. We've gone a little bit deeper into the stories to find out what living a life of faith really looks like. And not just what it looked like for them, but how we can apply it into our own lives and into our church. And I'm not going to rehash the whole series here, but let me just remind you, if you've missed any part of this series at all, All of the messages are available on our YouTube channel and also on our Life Chapel podcast. And if you haven't subscribed to those, uh, you should do that uh, immediately uh, because we are always putting up new content uh, on those channels each and every week and they will be a blessing to you. And it also gives you something to share uh, with others and um, share on social media and whatnot. But today, as we continue this series... I want to finish out Hebrews chapter 11 with one final message designed to build our faith in kind of a different way. And so let's look together at the final part of Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 32. This is what the scripture says. And what more shall I say? I do not have time. That's that's every preacher's mantra right there. I ain't got time to get into all this. That's what he's saying. I don't have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak, Samson and Japheth. About David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Notice he's saying this is, this is what they did through faith. This is the difference that faith makes in your life. Who shut the mouths of lions. He goes on in verse 34. They quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword. Whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Let's pray together and ask God to speak to us through his word today. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity again to come together as the people of God in your house and worship you. And, Lord, I pray that as the word goes forth today, your power would go forth, the power of the Holy Spirit that causes the word to come alive in our hearts. God, that's my prayer today, that those that hear this message would be changed by it, would be challenged by it, would be impacted and influenced by it, Lord, We pray that we would become more like Jesus today from having spent time in your word, and I pray that our faith level would go up so that we can receive what you have ready for us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. Amen. Well, as you know, if you've been with us for any part of this series, the writer of Hebrews here is using the different heroes of the Old Testament scriptures as an example to show us what living by faith looks like. And what faith can do for our own lives. And see, what these examples of faith show us is that when you choose to become, and it is a choice, when you choose to become a person who lives by faith like they did, that decision is not inconsequential. This is what I mean. When you choose to live by faith, things start to happen in your life. Sometimes things that you can't explain begin to happen in your life. Extraordinary things, incredible things unbelievable things, in fact, begin to happen in your life. And what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is that the central ingredient that caused all of these amazing, unbelievable things to happen in their life, the central ingredient is faith. And if we live by faith, those things may also happen in our lives. Faith is the central piece. It is the key that causes a regular, ordinary person to experience, watch this, the fullness of living in relationship with God. It's faith. Faith is where the natural meets the supernatural. Faith is where impossible things become reality. Faith is where the kingdom of heaven invades the earth and changes everything about your future and the direction your life is going. And the point, and including all these stories of the heroes of the faith in this chapter, people like Abraham and Sarah, Moses, Joshua, all of them that we've talked about, the point is not just to show you how they live by faith, it's to show you what faith can do in your own life. The point of this chapter is to build up our faith as the church. If it was true for them, it can be true for you and me too, and faith is the key. We read about how faith played a central role in what Jesus did during his ministry on the earth. The Bible says clearly that when Jesus came to his hometown of Nazareth, he could not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. What does that mean? It means that he wanted to do some things there. He wanted to do more there, but he could not do it because they were not ready to receive what he wanted to do. And at the same time, if you read the Scriptures, you find that over and over again, the Bible says that Jesus was amazed at the great faith that he saw in Israel. It says that he was amazed at the faith of the centurion soldier. He was amazed at the faith of the woman. With the issue of blood, he was amazed at the faith of the four men that lowered their friend down through the roof so that he could receive healing from Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood, the Bible tells us that it was her faith that pushed her out into the crowds and into the street and caused her to reach out her hand and touch the hem of his garment. And when she did that, he healed her body and then he turned around and said to her, woman, your faith has made you whole. See, Jesus healed, delivered, saved, and set people free all through the Gospels. And oftentimes, what people received from the Lord was tied to their level of faith. And God's desire for all of His children is that we live with that same kind of faith, expectancy, and desire to see Him move and experience His touch God's will for you and me is that we become people of faith who exhibit faith in him every single day. I think one of the things that really plagues the church is that we talk so much about coming to faith in Jesus. We talk so much about believing in Him and making Him your Lord and Savior, and we should. The Bible says that if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. It says if you believe that He died on the cross for your sins and that He rose on the third day, you will be saved. That is is a faith to believe that Jesus came for me and that He rose again. But we stop right there. We have faith to believe one time, and then we go back to living our lives the same way we've always lived them. And God's Word is teaching us No, that is an introduction into a life of faith where now every day you believe that the same God that saved you at the moment of salvation is the same God that wants to move and act on the earth through you and in you every single day that you live. Faith is a lifestyle for the people of God. He has power to work and move in our everyday situations and circumstances. And the truth is people with faith pray differently than people who have none. People with faith don't walk into a hospital room and pray for the Lord's will to be done. They walk into a hospital room and they pray for the miracle. They walk into a hospital room and they pray for healing by the blood of Jesus. People with faith, they don't tell others on Facebook, I'm sending you good vibes and happy thoughts. No, they go before the throne of an almighty God and they intercede on behalf of people because they believe in a God that hears us when we pray and not just thinking happy thoughts. Happy thoughts will not change somebody's situation, but a prayer of faith will, according to James chapter 5. Hallelujah. See, people of faith take Jesus at His word. And this is what He said in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. He said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be open. And then look at verse 11, Matthew 7 and 11. This is what it says. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Not think a good vibe, but ask him. James chapter 4 and verse 2 says, you have not because you ask not. In John chapter 14, verse 14, Jesus said, if you'll ask anything in my name, I will do it. See, when you build up your faith, it changes the way you pray. Some of you are wondering, where's the level of my faith right now? Your prayer life will tell you the answer to that question. Are you praying in faith or are you just praying out of some sort of religious ritualism where I pray before I go to bed? And I'm not really asking God to do anything in me because I don't really believe He can. I'm just fulfilling my religious duty today. I get up in the morning and I pray. That's what I do. But I'm not asking God for blessing today. I'm not asking God to change anything about my life or about my family today. Come on, we, we have access to the throne of God. We have access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are His children. He is our Father, and He wants to give good gifts to His children. Why in the world do we live our lives afraid to ask God to do what He said He wanted to do for us and through us? Come on. Faith will change the way that you pray. And when you start praying faith-filled prayers, you become dangerous to the enemy. And God is trying to raise our level of faith not just to change our prayer life, which I think is essential in this day and age, But I think he's also trying to build up our faith so that we can better understand who he is and his nature. See, we need to better understand who he is because when we come to know him, we better understand our true selves. And when I say we better understand our true selves, I'm talking about our true identity in Christ Jesus, who you were created to be in Christ. Watch this. Just think about it with me for a second. If you think about who he is, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. In him, the scripture says, all things were made and nothing has been made apart from him. It says, in him was life and that life was the light of all man. It teaches us, the Bible does, that he has established his kingdom here on the earth and that it is advancing, it's overcoming the darkness and it's filling the world with the light of Jesus Christ. That's part of who he is, that's part of his nature. But when you understand that, you begin to understand who you are in relation to the nature of God. You understand that you are a son and daughter of God, that you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. See, that's kingdom language. We've got a bunch of people in the church today that don't realize they live in a kingdom and they're not living with a kingdom mindset. And that's why fear is driving their life right now. Because if you understand that you're a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken, you don't live your life with fear. You live your life with faith. You don't cower in fear because of what somebody said to you. You counteract that fear with a word of faith because it's in your word, hallelujah, that the power, Of life and death comes forth, and you can speak life over your situation even when somebody is speaking death over you. We don't understand, come on, I'm preaching today. We don't understand that we live in a kingdom and there are kingdom principles that govern the kingdom of God. And as citizens of the kingdom, you can choose to be in the kingdom or you can choose to be in the kingdoms of this world. We are sons and daughters of God, heirs of God in His kingdom. We're part of the greatest movement. To ever come upon the face of the earth is the movement of the kingdom. And we are the crazy, faith-filled people that believe that God can do anything. So we're crazy enough to ask Him for impossible things because we really believe He's going to do it. We believe that He's still the God who does the miraculous because we've experienced the miraculous. We believe He's still the God that can heal because we've been healed by the touch of His hand we still believe that he's a God who can save the vilest sinner and turn the furthest person away from him around and transform their life because that's who we were before Jesus saved us. We have a testimony. We've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And because we have a testimony that backs up our word of faith, we know where we're going and we know who we are. See, when you understand the nature of God and who he is, you better understand who you are. And that's not all. Our faith doesn't just inform us about what God has done in our lives and what he's doing right now. It's also by faith. We believe that he is coming back again, that he has not left us alone, that he has not withdrawn himself from us. He is coming back again and he's going to take us to be with him forever. But until that day, we are not living in hiding. We're not running in fear. We are here to take over this world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. The church is not called to be quiet and passive and disengaged. We're called to make a difference. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ. It says, as though God were making His appeal to the world through you. We're called to be fishers of men. We're called to be salt and light. We're called to be dangerous to the kingdoms of this world. And a holy terror to the enemies of our souls. You can't be who you are called to be and do what you're called to do without becoming a person of faith. You must build up your faith in order to do what God's called you to do. And when I say build up your faith, I'm not talking about your faith in yourself. There's a lot of that going on in the church too. A lot of like positive energy, and and I, I, you know I need to believe in myself more. That's not a bad thing. You should believe in yourself, but your belief in yourself flows from your relationship with God. That's where it comes from. So it's not faith in your. It's not more faith in yourself, and it's certainly not faith in your fellow man or the government. For crying out loud, it is faith in God. You must build up your faith in God because the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38, it says, the righteous will live by faith. And that's what this whole chapter has been about. The writer is saying, look what happens when regular, ordinary, everyday people say yes to God and embrace a life of faith. Look what happened. Look how their story changed. That can be your story now look again with me at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 32. I want to walk through some of this with you today, because I believe God's got some things He wants to show us. Hebrews chapter 11, verse, uh, 11, verse 32. He mentions Gideon. And what you need to know about Gideon is that he was one of the most insignificant people on the planet when God called him. He was the most insignificant son from the most insignificant family, from the most insignificant clan, from the most insignificant nation on the planet. The Bible literally says that he was the weakest of the weak and the least of the least. He was a simple wheat farmer hiding in fear in a wine press, scared for his life because the land was being taken over by this foreign army of invaders. But Gideon had an encounter with God outside of that wine press. And what happened was God literally flipped the script of his life because God did not repeat to Gideon what everybody else said about him. He did not say, I get it, you're the least of the least and the weakest of the weak. He did not repeat to Gideon what everybody else thought about him and what he thought about himself. When God came to Gideon, he told him who he was created to be. He called out the potential in him. He called out the glory that was in him. He saw him and he called it out. And the moment that God called out what was really in there is the moment. that, And it took a little bit of a battle. Gideon had some, he had to believe in this. But the moment that Gideon exhibited faith in God. Watch this. That's the moment that he became the man of God that he was truly called to be. And this is what faith did for him. It caused him to tear down some idols. It caused him to lead a revolt and build an army of 300 men and rout the invaders that came into that land, completely destroying them and setting the people free from years of oppression, all because he had a moment where faith took root in his heart and produced a different outcome in his life. Regular, ordinary person, That's what faith can do. The writer goes on and mentions Barak, Samson, Japheth. They were all heroes from the book of Judges if you read it. And you know the story. For example, Samson, he overcame his natural human weakness and then was used by God to destroy an entire army of Philistines. And I love that story because it was the moment of his greatest failure that God turned around and used it to be his moment of greatest accomplishment. That's what faith can do. Uh, He mentions Japheth here. Japheth, you may not be familiar with his story, but he was the son of a prostitute. He had no idea who his father was. His mom had slept with so many different people. It was like, take a wild guess. You kind of look like that guy, but that might be your daddy too. I really don't know what to tell you. He kind of went on the run in his life. He was running from God. He was running from everything. And God came and found him where he was. And then he became a person of faith. And when he did, God used him mightily in the nation of Israel. These are just regular, ordinary, everyday people with weaknesses and flaws and things that the world would say, you know what, you're discounted, you don't get to be used by God. But they became people of faith. And watch this. When they became people of faith, they became a hero to somebody else. They changed somebody else's story because they embraced a life of faith. The writer goes on in Hebrews chapter 11, and he mentions David and Samuel, both of these heroes of faith. You'll recall how David was the forgotten son. His own father didn't even believe in him. His own father didn't even believe in him enough to bring him up from the fields when Samuel came looking for the next king of Israel. Uh, he's, He's just the youngest out there. He doesn't matter. Samuel's like, do you have any other sons? And Jesse's like, oh, there's just this one, but he has no military experience. He's just a kid. He's got no stature. I think the Bible actually says he's ruddy, whatever ruddy means. He's ruddy. He's got no notoriety to his name. He's nothing special. Don't worry about him. You're just wasting your time. What David's own father didn't know is that while David was out there tending the sheep, he was developing a faith that caused him to become a man after God's own heart. And that was the very thing that God was looking for in the next king of Israel. He wanted a person of faith, not a person of stature or built-up notoriety. See, God can do more with faith-filled humility than he can with a person who's striving to build their own platform and advance their own name. Faith-filled humility. Faith-filled humility causes you to go down low because you know when you go low, God gets really big. And people who don't live by faith don't understand that. They think, I've got to build my empire. I've got to build my name. I've got to build my own thing. No, no. When we live by faith, we trust God to open every door that's supposed to be open and close every door that's supposed to be closed. We go low, he gets big. And then think about the faith of David when everyone else was trembling in fear at the sight and the sounds of this giant named Goliath. David, this simple shepherd boy, just delivering lunch to his brothers on the battlefield. He walked out there and he heard it and he said, who does this guy think he is? Nobody talks about my king that way. Nobody talks about my nation that way. And especially nobody talks about my God that way. He said, I'm going to take care of this guy right now. And he's ready to go out there. And they're like, whoa, David, stop right there. You don't understand. That's Goliath out there. He's big. He's tough. He's strong. He's got weapons bigger than you. You've got nothing. David, go back to where you were. There's no way you can defeat him. But David said, There's no way I'm going to leave this battlefield and let that guy continue to talk down about my God. And David essentially looked at those guys and he said, I know he's big, but have you seen how big my God is? I know he's tall, but have you seen how tall God is? I know he's strong, but have you seen how strong my God is? And he ran out there with a slingshot and a stone and he took that big man out. Listen to me. That's what living by faith looks like. Faith-filled people do not run away from their giants, and they don't shy away from challenges that they face because it looks hard and it looks difficult. Faith-filled people run towards them, and they overcome them because they know there is nothing too hard for my God. He goes on in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33, and he just starts listing some of the accolades of these heroes of the faith. He says, they, through faith, they conquered kingdoms. They administered justice. They gained what was promised. Then he says, they shut the mouth of lions by faith. And you know who he's talking about here? He's talking about Daniel. You remember that story. Daniel in the lion's den. Come on, somebody. I'm taking you to Sunday school today. (laughs) Think about it this way, because I think this is really applicable to where we are right now. Daniel believes he's supposed to do something three times a day. I'm supposed to pray. And he would open his window and he would set his face towards Jerusalem and he would pray for God's will to be done in his life and over his nation and over his people. They're in captivity. And the government told him he shouldn't be doing that anymore. They said, you need to sit down and shut up. You need to stop praying. And they said, you better do what we say or we're going to throw you in a lion's den. But Daniel, in faith, chose to keep on living by faith when they tried to silence him by fear And watch this, they tried to cancel him. That's right, I'm going there. They tried to cancel him. He kept on doing what he knew was right. He kept on doing what God had called him to do. And when they came and took him and they threw him in that lion's den, by faith, he proved that there was no teeth behind their tactics because his God was bigger. And his God is the one that shut the mouths of those lions and preserved his life. And that's what faith in God can do. And the church needs to get that message right now that we are not taking another step back. We're not stopping and we're not going to let you silence us. We're coming for you, baby. I'm talking to somebody out there. I'm looking right at the camera. I'm coming for you. Or is it that camera? His God was bigger. He refused to back down because he knew who he was as a child of God. Verse 34 goes on. It says that he they quenched the fury of the flames by faith. Who's he talking about here? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Three Hebrew boys that were plucked from their homes and taken into captivity. And if you read the story, let me just remind you of what happened. They didn't just take them out of their home in Jerusalem and bring them to Babylon and say, okay, here's your house and here's here's what you're going to do and all this. No, they tried to brainwash them. They essentially brought them into a school and they said, you need to forget about everything that you think you know and everything that you know to be true. They forced them to change their names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not their Hebrew names. They forced them to change their names They tried to change their identity. They tried to change their entire way of life. And this was the big one. They tried to retrain them to believe that King Nebuchadnezzar was really God and that their God was dead. And they tried their best to get those three boys to comply. They tried their best to get them to submit, to bow down just like everyone else. But what they weren't counting on is that these three Hebrew boys had a faith in God that was real. And despite their best efforts, In spite of the fear tactics and in spite of all the threats, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down and worship anything that was not the one true living God. And so they stood up to the governmental authorities and told them, we'll stand in faith, we will not bow, and we'll take our chances with the furnace of fire. So what did they do? They threw them into that fiery furnace thinking they took care of the problem. Well, we took care of that. Nobody else is going to stand up now. Everybody's going to bow down because they saw what we just did to these three guys. And they looked into the flames to see what was going on. And when they looked into those flames, the Bible says that they did not see three men in there. They saw four men in there. And they were, come on. They were walking around in the flames untouched by the fire. Not a stitch of their clothing was burned and when they brought them out, they did not even have the smell of smoke on them. Listen to me. That's what faith in God can do. It will cause you to take a stand when everybody else is bowing down. And when you take a stand in faith, this is the principle of the story. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will come and stand with you even when they throw you in the fire. And listen, if the King is standing with me, I will Will take my chances with whatever the world wants to throw at me. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Verse thirty-four goes on. They escaped the edge of the sword. By faith, their weakness was turned to strength. They became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. And we could just go on and on and recount story after story from the Old Testament. Faith is so incredible. The writer's telling you, look what it can do for you. These men and women were just ordinary, regular people. But look what happened. Look what changed when they chose to become a person of faith. God used them to do impossible things. And that can be your story too. But then he transitions in the second part of verse 35. And he changes his tune just a little bit. And he's still talking about people who live by faith. But look at this. He says, then there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed into. Do you know who they're talking about when they say they were sawed into? That was the fate of the prophet Isaiah. The one who looked forward and saw Jesus so clearly. They didn't like what he said. And they told him, change your mind. Change your word. Change the prophetic word. That's not what we want to hear. And Isaiah said, I can't tell you anything other than what the Lord is telling me to tell you. And so they took a wooden saw and they sawed him in two. They were killed by the sword. That's what happened to Zechariah in the temple. You read Zechariah, you see such a beautiful picture of Jesus. He's honored. He's in the Bible. But they didn't like what he was saying. So they attacked him with swords, and they killed him right there in the temple. It says, They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves, And in holes in the ground. Anybody remember Elijah? He was depressed. He's begging for this tree just to fall on me. They're trying to kill me. It's these others that I really want to focus on today for the rest of our time. And I want to give you three facts about living by faith under difficult circumstances. Because I think that's where a lot of us are right now. It's great to get all excited about what God can do through faith and how he can move mountains and he can do all of this. But it's another thing entirely to still have faith and believe in God when you're facing that kind of stuff. But the Bible very clearly says in the Greek, it lists all this out. And then it says, and then there were others. I want to give you three facts about faith in difficult times. And here's the first one. Difficult times are not an indicator of a lack of faith. Difficult times are not an indicator of a lack of faith, and you have got to get that truth today because that is the big lie of the enemy that he's going to try to get you to believe every time you go through a difficult season. He wants you to believe this lie that this is happening to you because you have done something wrong. This is happening to you because you have angered God. There must be something wrong with your faith because if there wasn't something wrong with your faith, you would not be going through this. Look what's happening to you. This is because there's something wrong with you. And see, what happens when we believe that lie from the enemy is we become self-condemning. And that's what the enemy wants. We actually attack our own faith. And that's the goal of the enemy. See, he's come to steal, kill, and destroy according to Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10. And your faith is one of his primary targets. If he can destroy your faith, he knows he can destroy your life. So he lies to you in an attempt for you uh, to get you to believe those lies and begin to repeat those lies. And then you actually become self-condemning and you begin attacking your own faith uh, to, to lay it down or walk away from it entirely. And now listen to me. If that's where you are today, I don't want you to feel bad right now because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And here's the truth. We've all been there at some point. And humanity has had an awful time overcoming the lies of the enemy ever since the Garden of Eden. So there's no condemnation for you today if that's where you are, if you've been struggling with this lie from the enemy. We know the enemy is going to lie to us. Jesus called him the father of lies. That's all he knows how to do. But how do you overcome the lies about your faith? What do you do when he targets you with this lie? Well, it's the same way that you overcome any lie from the enemy. You overcome the lie with the truth. And the only place you go to find the truth is in the word of God. And the truth is the difficult times is not an indicator of a lack of faith. Watch this. The difficult times you go through, they are actually an indicator of your great faith in God, that you are living a life of faith in God. The writer of Hebrews, after going through all of these difficult things that people went through in verses 35 and 38, says this in verse 39. He says, they were all commended for their faith. There's no mention that any of this happened to them because they did not have the faith of Abraham. If Isaiah had the faith of Abraham, he would have received what was promised too. If only only Zechariah had believed the same way that David did when he killed Goliath. See, it was a faith problem. No, it's not what the Scripture says. It says they were all commended the same for their faith in God. It was not because of a lack of faith. They did not have a faith problem. On the contrary, the others that the Bible talks about are commended for having the same faith that everybody else had in Hebrews chapter 11. This portion of Scripture, it always makes me think about 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. This is what the Bible says. It says, Dear friends... See, I believe there's a greater blessing on people who identify with the others than on people who just live their entire life seemingly on the mountaintops. And the truth is nobody lives their life that way anyway. It's mountains and valleys. It's good times and bad. It is rain and sunshine, and that is true for all of us. This does not sound like a faith problem to me when I read 1 Peter 4, verses 12-14. through It sounds like God is letting my faith develop to become more and more who He's called me to be. And that leads me to the second fact about faith in difficult times. It's this one. God uses difficult situations to test and reveal your faith. It doesn't reveal a lack of faith. And God uses difficult situations to test and reveal your faith. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, we just looked at it. It says, these, don't be surprised by this. They've come on you to test you, to test you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 says this. It says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Now notice, neither in the First Peter passage or in the Hebrews 12 passage does it say that the one who is bringing these difficult circumstances into your life is God. See, that's another lie from the enemy. God is the one doing this to you. Watch, there is a difference between God allowing something and God doing something. See, we live in a fallen world of sin and things happen. We go through things that we wish we didn't have to go through. Those difficult things, the pain, the sickness, the heartache, the loss, the moments of discouragement, those are the results of sin and not the results of righteousness. So while sin causes difficult things to happen, Faith, in spite of those difficult circumstances, allows God to actually use them for our good and turn them around. So while he doesn't cause the trial, he uses the trial to discipline us, to cause us to become more like him. Why does he do that? Well, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10 tells us, it says, God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. And then in verse 11, he says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Here's the reality you don't get the harvest of righteousness, you don't get the good that God wants to do in your life without going through the trial you don't want to go through. There's one way to the place of promise. I want you to think about it real quick in your own life. When you go through trial and you go through a difficult season in your life, if you're paying attention, that trial is teaching you something about your faith. Where does your faith go when hard times show up? Does it get positive or does it get negative? Which way does your faith move? Does it go up or does it go down? Do you retreat or do you go at it? See, God uses difficult situations to test and reveal your faith. I want you to hear me say this because this was a revelation I got from the Lord about two years ago when I was going through a very difficult season. God told me that the trials of life show you where you are, not who you are. The trials of life show you where you are, not who you are. Where your faith is right now. And it helps to give you some perspective about why you're going through the things that you're going through. Because God wants to build your faith. He wants to increase your faith. He's showing you where you are right now. But if you get a glimpse of what God's doing, you'll see where he's wanting to take you through it. It's not who you are. It's where you are. And here's the third fact about faith in difficult times. The promise still stands even when difficult circumstances stand in the way. The promise still stands even when difficult circumstances stand in the way. And I know I'm spending some time teaching here, but I want you to get this. And I actually need two volunteers to come up. And I want Mark to come and help me because he's just always a good volunteer. And, uh, and we'll go with Rick. Let's go, guys. Get up here. This rope is very woundly tight. Rick, I want you to stand over here, and I want you to hold this end of the rope. Mark, I want you to stand right there and hold this end of the rope and pull it a little bit. Get that slack out. Okay, there you go. And see, this is what happens, and you read Hebrews 11 and you see this. You read about heroes of the faith, Abraham, Moses, David, Samuel, all these guys. And what you read about when you read this is seemingly their faith is pulling the promise of God to them. So go ahead and start pulling, Mark. And there's things standing in the way. Come on, Rick. Come on. He's pulling by faith. Faith is a muscle. And his muscles are pulling the promise of God. The promise is over here, but the promise is coming because by faith he's pulling. His muscle of faith is pulling the promise to him. And he's pulling him in. And then they hug, and it's wonderful. Go back and stand over there. And because Mark is a person of faith, and he just keeps on pulling, the promise works through trial and tribulation and heartache and pain, and it just keeps coming, and you just can't stop it because that's what faith does. It just keeps pulling the promise to you. But then you read about the others, and you realize that it's the same faith, but it works differently. And see, this is what happens when you think about faith in regards to the second half of Hebrews chapter 11. The promise is still here and you're still over here and you're still a person of faith and you still got faith to it's like a muscle that 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 you're pulling but the promise seemingly is not moving towards you. It is staying this time, and you still have tribulation and trial and heartache and pain and distress and discouragement and all of these things. And you pull by faith, and what's happening is you're actually pulling yourself to the promise. So, God, you're, you're still pulling, you're still holding on by faith. But God is pulling you. Watch this. The promise didn't come through all the stuff. You came through all the stuff. How did you make it through all the stuff? It was your faith in God that kept you holding on. The muscle keeps working. And you're like, the promise hasn't showed up yet. And I find myself surrounded in fire. I find myself in a flood. I find myself in difficulty. And God says, just keep on pulling because you're going to find your way to the promise. And that's how it works works it's the same faith it's the same faith muscle but sometimes you pull you pull the promise to you other times you pull yourself to the promise come on and give god praise one more time you guys can be seated mark stay up here let the rest of the band come on up i'm about to close but you read about what they went through in hebrews chapter 11 you read words like torture And jeers and flogging, chains and imprisonment. They threw Jeremiah the prophet in a pit and left him there to die. Stones and swords, destitute, persecuted, mistreated, living in caves and holes in the ground. Some of you, I'm describing the way you have felt about your life for years, living in a cave. Scared to come out. Because the cave is the only place you feel safe. This is what, the Lord is speaking to somebody right now. He put the cave there for you. You've been so ashamed because you've been living in a cave and God said, I put that cave there. Because it's in the cave that you hear me. And I'm not in the earthquake. And I'm not in the fire. And I'm not in the strong, mighty wind. I'm in the still small voice and the only way you hear it is when you are hidden in the cleft of the rock, the cave. It's the same faith and as long as you hold on, you're going to reach the same outcome, the place of promise. Come on and stand with me all across the room. The promise still stands and so do you. The promise still stands, even when difficult things stand in your way. The promise is still standing, and so are you. Hebrews eleven thirty nine. they were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. What does that mean? Let me tell you what it means. See, what we find as we go through life and what we find as we go through difficulty and challenge and all the things that we deal with is that the real promise of God is Jesus. It's Jesus. We get our eyes fixed on all kinds of other things that we think God wants for us and that we think are the promise for our lives. But at the end of the day, the promise of God for you is Jesus, only Jesus. He is the one that's standing there pulling you through it all. He is the reward. He, at, the end of the, at the end of it all, He is the prize. At the end of that race, He is the promise of the Father. He is the fulfillment of all things. And if I'm living a life that in the end does not lead me to Jesus, it's the wrong life to be living. It's the wrong promise to be pursuing. And this is how the writer of Hebrews says it in the very next chapter. And this is how I want to close in Hebrews chapter 12. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, who is that cloud of witnesses? It is every single person mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 and everybody who's gone before us who died in faith. Since we're surrounded by all of those witnesses that say, yes, faith in God, this is what it can do. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Watch this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It is all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. His promise still stands, even when difficult things stand in my way. He is faithful and he will do what he's promised. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me all across this room right now, and let's just just invite his presence once again into this room and into our hearts. Father, we're so thankful for your word. Your word is life, God. It changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way we perceive things. It changes the nature of our struggle when we see it with eyes of faith. And, Lord, right now, right here in your presence, I pray that you would begin to work in our hearts and minds, Lord. Those of us who are going through difficult seasons right now, we're going through difficult circumstances. We're going through trial. We're going through pain. We're going through seasons of uncertainty. Lord, the key is we've got to get our eyes on Jesus. God, would you help us to do that right now? I pray that the eyes of our heart would become enlightened so that we can see you. Everything else fades, and our eyes are fixed on you today. Help us, Father. Help us, Lord. Help us to counteract the attack and the lies of the enemy, God, with your word, with the truth, Lord. What your word says. We thank you, God. The band's going to lead us in this song. And this song is a great faith builder. As they lead us in this song, I just want you to let faith build in your heart. The whole point of this series was to increase your faith. And I want you to do that right now. Just sing it by faith and believe what you're saying. Believe what God can do. Come on, let's worship him together.